Birds with Friends is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Eagles ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game, and it's a good thing to keep in mind as the Eagles prepare to return home finally after this three-game road trip against the Bears next Sunday. There is an easy two-tap checkout, so if you want to wait until the last minute, Sunday morning, game time's the place for you. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen, Sheila, the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bowen, coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings i'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids wow we gotta get that in a drop uh immediately there's no editing no no editing on this podcast the wonderful birds with friends no editing (laughs) hello everybody welcome to birds with friends it is 9 33 p.m we are coming to you live from Zach Berman's rented Ford Edge? Ford Edge? Ford Edge, correct. We are driving. We are on the road from Buffalo to Rochester following the Eagles' season-saving 31-13 win over the Buffalo Bills in the wind and the rain. And we decided, uh, let's let's do a, a Birds with Friends first. Let's record this bad boy as we drive. Zach is driving. The first time I've ever been in the car with Zach driving, so uh, I'll get to critique that. How's it going how, so far? How are you? How are you feeling? Nervous, nervous because uh, usually it's it's not for public consumption. So I'm 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 curious how you'll grade it at the end. Well, that'll be uh, that'll certainly be part of the report card here. We're going we're going one mic as I push it back and forth, so Zach doesn't have to worry about multitasking with his hands in addition to multitasking with his mind. I hope we make it uh, make it out of this this bad boy alive, and you guys have we'll a make uh, it out alive. I, I promise you, that's that's not an option. This is this is a safer ride than last week. I can I can assure you that. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get to talking about this Eagles victory, uh, a a crossroads game for the Eagles. They come in three and four, uh, slight underdogs in this game, and uh, I guess we should start with the the tenor of this game, the uh, I guess the chemistry of this game was changed because of the the elements. It was a significant wind throughout the game it was like 25 miles an hour kickoff i think gusts up to 40 miles an hour during the game there was uh, often on rain and uh, i think that i think it's probably fair to say that that affected both teams game plans not a lot of downfield passing and there there did seem like uh, there was one side of the field in which you were able to throw the ball a little bit more than the other yes that's exactly correct doug peterson said after the game that it was basically two quarters you could run your offense and two quarters you couldn't. That's why they had the 
emphasis on the running game, but it should be noted that their two biggest wins, so to speak, Green Bay in this game, uh, they had this run-first approach. and They kind of relied on the offensive line and efficient uh, game from Carson Wentz and then running the ball with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. So this was a this was a run game. We'll get to uh, to all of that, but uh, I guess we can. Well, should we go through the game itself and then we can talk sort of big picture? Uh, this the Eagles sort of opened this game with a, with a field goal drive, and neither team was really moving the ball that much until uh, the Bills scored a touchdown in the second quarter on a third and uh, goal from the fourteen as Josh Allen. Uh, sort of put Nate Gary in a, it was really the defense is what put Nate Gary in a tough position he was forced to cover sort of three guys including Allen who was rolling uh, to his right and Cole Beasley our favorite gets a gets a touchdown pass and then this game really turned late in the second quarter uh, the Eagles offense was sputtering again and it was uh, a lot of the same things that we have seen uh, you know mostly running the ball Doug Peterson sort of treating Carson Wentz with kid gloves but the defense comes up with a huge play. Brandon Graham on a third and two from Bill's territory strips the ball from Josh Allen, who is uh, sort of running on a planned quarterback run to the right. And that sets up the Eagles with a short field. They go down, quickly score a touchdown, and then also score a touchdown on the opening drive of the third quarter. So that's sort of a 14-point swing, and that's really when uh, when the game sort of changed. I thought that was the game-changing play. And, and, and that's what I wrote in my takeaways was – the game shifted, like you said, with with Graham Strip there. Uh, the Eagles controlled it thereafter. It, I'm curious what would have happened had Buffalo converted there. And if they had gone down and scored, it might have been a different game. Let me turn on my little uh, my little my little butt warmer on the seat here. This is nice. What a what a what a luxurious option that we have here in the Ford Edge. This is not branded content. Um, so, uh, also at the end of that second quarter, there was, a, there was an odd uh, series of events where Zach Ertz was called for a sort of a garbanzo beans, bobo, uh, rough, or unnecessary roughness call. That set up the Bills with a short field. Then they were able to kick a field goal that did not, uh, was not good. So that uh, didn't end up mattering, but was an, an odd sequence of events. So after the Eagles then score that touchdown at the start of the second half, the Bills then score a touchdown on on what was like one of the most maddening drives uh, of Eagles defense that the Eagle that that fans have had all season long. The Bills had uh, conversions on that drive on third down of 14 yards, eight yards, and then 15, 13, another 14, three very long conversions, including the touchdown pass to Devin Singletary, who uh, made a couple Eagles look silly on that touchdown. And this was what I thought was sort of the uh, the hidden really important play of the game. Like, the Brandon Graham play was an obvious game-changer. I thought that one of the most important plays of this game was after the Bills had that touchdown drive to, to bring the game within, what was it, 24-17 or something like that? No, uh, well, 13 or 13, 13 yeah. yeah. So, so 17-13. it was 17-13, right. On the first play of the next drive, after the Eagles have been sort of run, run, pass, run, 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 uh, throughout the game under Doug Peterson, they open up that drive with a long pass on the left sideline to Alshon Jeffrey, the longest completion to a receiver this Eagles team has had since uh, the Nelson Aguilar play in Week 2 against the Falcons. And that set them up. They then scored a touchdown. But I thought that play, knowing that the defense had just given up this really annoying drive, 
I thought that was a very uh, hidden play in this game. And, and after that, the game was basically over. You asked Carson Wentz about that. What did Carson say? He said that that was an, a halftime adjustment they made. It was something that they saw in the first half, I guess, the way that they played Alshon on that, on that, in that situation, in that formation. I'm sure uh, I'm looking forward to uh, DeFop Fran Duffy breaking down what the exact adjustment was that they saw uh, on that. But that was, that was a big play. And then really after that, you force the Bills into sort of must-pass situations. They couldn't really throw the ball because uh, Josh Allen is garbanzo beans, because the, uh, the wind was difficult, and because they're just not a very good passing team. This Bills team, I do have to say, was like, I mean, I know that this was a, an odd game, but that was not, an, not a, a team that impressed me in any way. Well, I, I was doing clip reading on Saturday morning, and uh, I saw that like this was a defense that was really asking for more respect. They basically think that because they're in Buffalo, they haven't been given the, the credit they've been due. And, and, and frankly, the game that I watched live, the New England game earlier this year, they played really well on defense, so I can understand it. Uh, and I, I know today was a bit of a fluky game because of the conditions, but the Eagles dominated at the, at the line of scrimmage. They ran over a rush defense that was top 10 in the NFL. This was, I think, the third overall defense in the NFL. So, no, I wasn't impressed with Buffalo's offense, but I, I thought we'd see more from Buffalo's defense. And the fact that the Eagles had the most rushing yards of the Doug Peterson era uh, really says something about what this Eagles offensive line can do even against top defenses. In, in a game when... Both sides knew that that's what the Eagles were going to try to do, right? So there was no, uh, there, there were no big surprises there. Uh, in terms of the running game, uh, two big takeaways. One, Jordan Howard, uh, 23 carries for 96 yards. That is the most carries by a, any single running back under Doug Peterson, uh, and he was very much sort of the bell cow in this game on that on that long drive in the fourth quarter when the Eagles went, I think, 14 plays. Uh, 83 yards, something like that, over eight, minutes. Uh, over eight minutes, and that was really the end of the game. Jordan Howard had eight carries for 34 yards on that drive, and it was sort of the full Jordan Howard experience. I think he had three carries for no gain, three carries for three yards, but then busted one for 20 yards. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, as we've talked about, he is sort of the uh, one guy on this team who was outperforming expectations. But the other thing was Miles Sanders. You saw that juice today. He had a 65-yard touchdown run on the second play of the second half it was a uh, split back formation him and Jordan Howard in the backfield together it was the second such snap in that formation on the day and Jordan Howard on that play has a nice sort of lead blocking block through the hole that's that springs Miles Sanders and Miles Sanders also had a, a few big receptions once again three catches for 44 yards including a 25 yarder as uh, I think Shield pointed out on Twitter that's like the most uh, receptions of over 20 yards for any rookie running back uh, besides Kamara and McCaffrey over the last couple of years. He is the one guy on this offense who has big play juice. Now, the downside is he left this game with a right shoulder injury and was seen in the locker room uh, with a big you know, ice pack on that right shoulder. He said what exactly? He told reporters after the game that, that, that he was fine, he hopes, um, that the x-rays, I believe he said the x-rays came out negative. Now, We'll find out more from Doug Peterson on Monday. But the fact that Miles was, was there talking after the game and kind of hanging around, it didn't seem like, like there was significant concern. Um, now, because of Miles' injury, like you said, that's part of the reason why Jordan Howard got all those carries. Jordan admitted as much after the game. He, 
when I asked him about getting the 23 carries, like you said, most in the Doug Peterson era, um, he pointed out that they were undermanned there late in the game. He knew he, he kind of needed to carry them, uh, and, 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 and that was really the key. Zach, why on earth are the Nationals letting Joe Ross go through the lineup a third time when they're already down 4 nothing and they have a rested bullpen? <laughs> That's a good question. There are so many dynamics going on in this car right now. I, I was about, I was going to make a joke earlier that uh, that there was like a, 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 a point where the road forked and there was one sign for Niagara Falls and downtown Buffalo and the other sign was Rochester and Albany. And I'm like, we really got the short end of the stick there with the Rochester and Albany sign. Well, I don't think that the Niagara Falls in this weather is anything to really write home about either. It's it's like the office is, you know, it's... it's Nor is downtown Buffalo, I think. It's like wedding night on the office, you know, or the wedding day of the office. It was raining in Niagara Falls. You and Kirk Cousins. Um, Okay. One thing that I want to talk about on the offense is the question that you were fighting so hard to get asked of Carson Wentz in the little scrum of his post-game press conference. He kept getting cut off. He kept getting cut off. He kept getting cut off. And the press conference was over. But Carson Wentz looked at you and said, Zach, go ahead. <laughs> yes. I, yes, he did. I, I think he saw, like, the look on my face. Like, I was like, oh, I'm trying to get that in. And what I was asking him is he said, I mean, this was not the words of the reporter he said that the, the recipe for the team is kind of establishing the run, winning at the line of scrimmage. Um, and now the establishing the run part, I'm paraphrasing there, but the recipe part, that came from his quote. And I found that interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I found it interesting that the franchise quarterback would say it because Carson, we talked about him being a gunslinger, likes to pass, and you would think your $100 million quarterback would be more than kind of leading a run-first offense. Uh, and so as Carson explained that – hold on one second. If you can fill the time, I just want to go through the toll here. Well, you can, fill, you can go through the toll uh, however you want. Do you have an easy pass on this yes, bad boy? Yes, Okay, well, fire this bad boy up. Well, I just want to make sure that I'm in the right lane. I need to slow down here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to get down to five miles per hour. I'm going to let you fill the time. <laughs> All right, we're good. Okay, yeah, so uh, so I, I found that to be an, an, an interesting admission. And what he said essentially was that a, a lot of what they do in the passing game in terms of the play action, in terms of the bootlegs, uh, that comes off of the running game, number one. And what he was really, re- what he was really uh, referring to was uh, winning the line of scrimmage, you know, really dominating the, the line of scrimmage. That's the recipe for this team. That's the identity of, of this team. And... I, I don't want to kind of quote the sh- or, or use that Sean Payton stat that was kind of getting mocked last year right. about the amount of yards that Carson hits and they lose. Uh, but it does seem when, when they're... Double play, Jose Altuve. Joe Ross through five. It does seem when, when they're a real pass-heavy team that uh, it's they, they kind of get out of whack there. And this is the, the, the best group of running backs they have since Doug has been here. Especially with Boston Scott. <laughs> Touchdown today, Boston Scott. And the, uh, the offensive line, as we saw today, still can play at a high level. So it behooves them to have balance or even uh, a run-focused approach, especially when they're playing with a lead. 
Uh, I do want to mention, uh, you know, after the long touchdown run by Miles Sanders, I pointed out on Twitter that it was, you know, their second snap in that 21 personnel. And people were, were thinking that that was a shot at Shield because, you know, Shield had talked last week about what's the point of these, uh, you know, these 21 snaps. I'm going to defend Shield here because I think what Shield was really saying was, uh, you know, you're not getting an advantage if you're just, if, if you're just flexing Miles Sanders out or you're flexing one of the running backs out as a slot that you're not presenting a problem to the defense, they'll just put a, a defensive back on you. I think it's a little bit different when you have the uh, two running backs in the backfield. At least there is, like, some misdirection presented to the defensive line and the linebackers. Yes, and now they installed that play this week. Um, that's something that they... Well, that's like, a, that's like a very easy play. That's like a, you know, that's like that's a, that's oh. a middle school football play. Like. I mean, it's not like Jordan Howard was spending a lot of time as a lead blocker during training game. What is, yeah, he just has to run through the hole and, and then, like, get in the guy's way. I'm just saying that's that's a new play. That's a play that was put in this week. I, I don't think that's that. That's that like, play was invented by Kellen Moore, like every everything else that's uh, hitting the league on fire, right? You're fired up about Kellen Moore. He he schooled the Eagles last week. No, well, that's for sure. By the way, I meant to open this show. It's just, this is my fault, but I meant to open this show by congratulating you uh, and congratulating us because just as the media was responsible for the distractions facing this Eagles team. The media then must get credit for this Eagles win, right? I do would think if if uh, you know if 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 we were the reason they were losing, uh, but but no, I, I I I do think that's that's funny. But I I, I give the guys credit for uh, the way they responded this this week. There was a lot of attention on slamming on the brakes here. Well, what's we're going on the one lane here? I want to be careful. You're already in the lane that's being uh, that it's being yeah, adjusted so- down to. You could go slow on the brakes instead of just hammering them. <laughs> I apologize. I uh, the right lane is closed. Okay, there's we're we're riding in at night here. I just want to make sure that we're not caught in a in a, in a, in a jam. I, I I didn't come to a stop. I just I was I was decelerating. Yeah, that's fair. But it was just a little bit of a herky-jerky deceleration, that's all. I apologize. I tend to be a herky-jerky driver sometimes, so i got to work on that. You did promise that we'd get out of this alive, so yes, I, I want you. I, I want to hold you to that. I promise you we'll get out of here alive. The her- but but what, what? there's no downside to you making that promise because if, if you're wrong, there's no repercussions. You've already been – you're already dead. <laughs> I would rather not discuss, like, the – the semantics of what would happen if this car ride does not end well. So, okay, well, that's uh, that's a difference between you and me. Uh, so, what do you make of the the? Now, today was a, a bit of a special circumstance because of the weather, but it does seem like the case is with this offense that the Eagles do not want to just put the game in Carson Wentz's hands. I don't know that to be the case. Um, I, I do think that they kind of realize that the offense is different without Deshaun. And like we've discussed, that it is a slog downfield, that they don't – that really Miles Sanders is, is the only one giving them big plays. Uh, so I don't think they're taking the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. And I, I, I do think today was a different circumstance. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see Carson Wentz be a game manager, but – as we discussed on Tuesday, that is something that Chris Long mentioned, that he can have a little more game manager in him. And I, I, I think when you look at this game and you look at the Packers game, 
There is a trend there. There is a, and if you go back to 2017, Carson had games like this too. Now he threw for more touchdowns, but he had games where he wasn't throwing for a lot of yards, but they were running the ball well. They were getting out the leads, um, and he was just efficient. And his quarterback rating was over 100 today. Um, they're undefeated this year when his quarterback rating's over 100, and I think they're 13 and five in his career when his quarterback rating's over 100. So. If he can complete passes, he was at around 70% today. Uh, Doug Peterson said that Carson played a good game, was was tough, was smart. Doug said that as a play caller, he put him in some good situations, and Carson took advantage of them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I didn't think this was a bad Carson game. I, I thought he did what he had to do. No, I think that's I think that's right, but we'll we'll see. I'm interested to see what the game plan is like next week against a good Bears defense in what is presumably not going to be terrible weather. Um, you know, are they going to try to hashtag establish the run and let Jordan Howard, uh, you know, get another 20 carries against his former team, or are they going to let Carson Wentz air it out a little bit? Well, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, I, I need to spend more time looking at the Bears game. I'm still, like, uh, four hours short of the uh... – or four hours past this Bills game. The Bears, by the way, missing a game-winning field goal. Uh, do you want to revisit your defense of Matt Nagy? So my defense of Matt Nagy was that he... Well, you said he was making too big a deal about the field goal. Uh, I did say that, yes. Yes. And I was I was just defending him that it's like... You wanted it him was, to feel the pain? Yes, They're yes. Having all, all, all the time this week to feel the pain again. They've lost three games in a row. That's a reeling team. I mean, if the sky was falling in Philly this week when they were when they had lost two in a row, uh, the the Bears, a, a team that there's a lot of expectations in Chicago, they've lost three in a row. Their quarterback's struggling. Their offense, uh, I didn't watch the game yet today. I'll go back this week and, and see what happened in that Bears game. But uh, I saw Dave Montgomery had a good day running the ball. Uh, but Dave, huh? No, I said David. I, spoke, I thought you said I spoke, Dave. I spoke quickly. I said David. Uh, but that's a, that's a team that the Eagles beat in Chicago last week. Um, oh, I'm sorry, last year. So, uh, no, I, I, I think that the Eagles will run the ball if they feel they can run on them um, because it, it, it worked this week. It's, it's a big Jordan Howard game going up against his former team. I wonder if somebody will write about that this week. My uh, expectation for the Bears this offseason and what I'm looking forward to is them bringing in 14 different quarterbacks and uh, having them all see if they can complete, like, 15-yard outs and then the whole team standing around and watching as, like, Matt McGloin and uh, Chase Daniel and uh, what's that guy from the Jaguars from the preseason? Yes, uh, um, it's the it's Alex Magoo. Alex Magoo. Alex yeah, Magoo will get brought in by the practice Bears. squad. That's right. If him I chew and gum, uh, would that be bad on the podcast? Like, will, will you hear me chewing gum on the? There's podcast? only one way to find out. <laughs> I probably shouldn't, but yeah. Well, I, I think you'll be okay. I have a stale taste in my mouth. Go ahead, chew that bad boy. <laughs> chew it up. We don't need to listen to me chew. Yeah, chew it up. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the defense um, in this game. They held the Bills to uh, 98 yards on 20 carries at 4.9 yards a pop, but that's 
uh, a little bit misleading because Josh Allen had eight carries for 45 yards. Now you want to say that's part of the run defense too. That's true to a certain extent, but uh, Frank Gore, nine carries for 34 yards. Devin Singletary, three for 19. Um, the Bills, aside from a couple dr- – now, you know, there were some defensive lapses uh, as we talked about, but, yeah. uh, but you know, I think this was a combination of the, the weather and, and a not very good offense – uh, combining to not really present too much trouble to the Eagles' defense. Yeah, I I would agree. I thought it was a good game from the defense, um, especially the run defense, because the same conditions that the Eagles wanted to run in, uh, the the Bears probably the Bears probably wanted to run in. They've been if they've been effective running the ball this year, and uh, the Eagles. I was concerned how they would look at the interior of the defensive line, how they would look at linebacker. Defensive tackle, Bruce Hector started like Bo predicted. I give Bo credit. I thought Anthony Rush would start. I know, that's right. Um, And Anthony Rush rotated in, as did Albert Huggins. But Fletcher Cox, his first two drives. This was his best game of the year by far. The first two drives especially looked outstanding um, there. And uh, and then the the linebackers, I thought, held their own in the run game. Um, They... they, uh, they weren't bad there, you know. I, I I think there might be some criticism of the linebackers because of that touchdown play when when Nate Gary had to go after Allen. I don't really kill Nate Gary for that. What was he supposed to do? Yeah, that was an impossible position. Yeah. So uh, no, I I thought that the, the defense played well, but they need to play better on third and longs. That's that's unacceptable. You you can't have uh, five conversions of third and eight and more you need to get off the field it's been a problem throughout the year and it, it could cost them in games so uh, that's something to watch going forward I thought the pass rush was pretty good in this game uh, four sacks I think of Josh Allen uh, and that doesn't include uh, the forced fumble by Brandon Graham although that was a run and it also uh, you know there were a lot of times when the defensive line got quick pressure and Allen then escaped the pocket which is a, a problem for the defense but uh, it doesn't, you know, it was still a good pass rush. Uh, Jared Barnett had a, had a sack. Uh, Fletcher Cox had a sack and a half. Uh, I thought the defensive line this was their this was their this was their best game against a real NFL team, as opposed to the Jets game. Yes, correct. I mean, yeah. the Jets are a real NFL team. Debatable. <laughs> it's not. Well, they were with Luke Falk at quarterback. They were not a real NFL team. In that offensive line, yeah, they were a patchwork group. And, and, and that's a weird situation there. What, what just happened with the guard this this, this past week? Uh, Seems like a terrible organization. Yeah, I was I was surprised that that was coming from Joe Douglas. Now, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. I don't think I don't think Joe's calling the shots up there when it comes to the things that, that really matter. Um, and then as for the secondary, I mean, again, everything is contextualized by the conditions there, but. Uh, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby get to play together for the first time since last year's Jaguars game in London, which was exactly a year ago, uh, week eight. And they hold the Bills receivers to, I think, the receivers themselves only had nine catches in this game. And uh, I thought Jalen Mills played pretty well. He let up one uh, third and long conversion that it seemed like he was soft in his zone. And Darby had a couple uh, breakups downfield. It it looked like he wasn't fully unleashing the speed, but... um, I do think that they are, for all of their warts, for both of them, that is their best tandem of corners. Yes, and I, I agree with you. Uh, that's, that's the cornerback tandem that they won the Super Bowl with. 
And I think they can get some momentum here because Chicago is a team that is struggling passing the ball too. So uh, if they can bang two good weeks going into the bye, I think it will give them some confidence for uh, you know, well, well, then you have the Patriots and the Seahawks. But, no, I, I thought I thought Darby played well. I mean, the play that stands out was the 4th and 10 pass breakup. Um, yeah, nice play. Yeah, nice a nice, a nice play there. Although ball held up in the wind too, so you know it's all, it's all part of it. And I actually thought, uh, and I'll go back and I'll watch the tape tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I, I should be able to watch it tomorrow afternoon. But um, the, I, I thought Sidney Jones looked decent. Uh, I'm not so sure that I agree with that. Okay, well, I mean, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. I mean, the Cole Beasley touchdown, that wasn't on. Sydney, right? Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know what the rules of the okay. zone were there. Okay. Yeah, so I, I would need to go back and look at that. Maybe it was. Um, but there were some other play. you know. Oh, and, and there was one play that someone pointed out on Twitter. Well, it was the Singletary run where they thought Sidney Jones kind of uh, held up. It, it wasn't Sidney's man, but they didn't think he pursued the ball. Um, so I, I, I need to go back and look at it. But... Uh, I thought Cole Beasley was a tough matchup for the Eagles going into this game. He's no Jamison Crowder. Well, few are, uh, but I I thought that uh, that Beasley didn't kill him, and, and frankly, part of that might have been the conditions. Uh, but no, I mean, you hold Buffalo to 13 points. Uh, they really didn't do much passing the ball. I mean, Sidney Jones, you you just said how they only had what six catches by their wide receivers. I mean. I think nine. Nine catches by their wide receivers. You got to and, – and what was Beasley's line tonight? Three for 41. Okay. And how much of that came on the touchdown? 15? Or, 14, I think. Yeah, yeah, 14. He, got, he lost Sidney Jones on one play. Yeah, but I didn't think Sidney played that bad. I could be wrong. He was we'll fine. We'll uh, I'll go back and I'll watch. And I'll watch. He it. made it through the whole game, so that was a step in the right direction. He did. I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game. So. Well, me neither. Um. Okay, so let's talk big picture. Big picture. Two things. We'll get to the trade discussion in a second. But first, this win, 31-13 over a team that was 5-1, and one, does it change your macro opinion about the 2019 Eagles, their talent level, how good you yeah. think they are? It's a good question, and it doesn't change what I – well – I'll put it this way. If they lost, I think it, it, it would have been close to finish. Um, I thought they needed to win. Uh, I don't think that you should start booking your Super Bowl tickets right now. But I do think that you're at 4-4. Four and four. I mean, if you can afford the tickets, it's probably still fun to go anyway. Plus, you might be able to make uh, some money on the back end if you flip it. So don't necessarily count out buying your Super Bowl tickets if you think you get a good deal. But you don't have you know, but no. So the Eagles have, so they've they've just completed um, their really tough road trip. Okay, they went one and two. The two losses were really bad, but uh, but they went one and two. I said going into it, they need to be four and four. Now you look at it, they have five of their last eight games are at home. Their next road game is December first in Miami. It's gonna be a very pro Eagles crowd. Um, like we've discussed, they have a chance to really bank wins. Uh, they have three games that are, I think, are really tough games, which are which is New England, Seattle, Dallas. All three are at home. Chicago's close to it. I mean, Chicago's still a talented team, playoff team last year. It's a real, it's a real yeah. game. That's also at home. Okay, um, if you can 
if you can split those two, okay, or I'm sorry, split those four, uh, and then win the winnable games, the uh, Miami game, the two Giants games, the Washington game, you're you're ten and six. Ten and six should 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 get you in the playoffs. So I think this I think this this win puts them on track. Um, I don't want to say to control their destiny because, as Chip Kelly points out, you can't control something that's predetermined. Yeah, except but, that he's he's called it grammatically, which yeah, is, which if if we're, if we're parsing yeah. things uh, correctly, then he's the one who gets gets taken to task for saying it had anything to do with grammar. It's not the grammar. You're you're, you're correct. Uh, but uh, to to put them in a situation where they control their path, um, that you know they're they're kind of in the driver's seat. I, I feel like. And I, I thought that they would have had a tough hole to dig themselves out of had they lost this game. So I think this was a game that they, that if if they lost, I I would have had a, a real definitive view of the season. The fact yeah, they that they stink. won, they, they I don't have a terrible. definitive view of the season, but I, I like the situation they're in. Well, this is the thing now, because the person who really has to answer this question is Howie Roseman. Uh, he has to look at this with clear eyes. Uh, this is an Eagles team that you know entered this game, I think, 15th in DVOA, and they're a middle-of-the-road team. Two of their four wins have come against some of the worst teams in football, yes. the, the Jets and Washington. Uh, maybe this Bills win is not even that impressive. Uh, you still have the Packers win. So, you know, this team is very middle-of-the-road right now. Do you think that uh, with some kind of addition, this, this team can be a contender? He has two days to decide that with the, the trade deadline on Tuesday. Uh, all the while, knowing that this is a team that, as we've been talking about all year, is old, getting older, needs uh, help in terms of inf- infusing young talent. They had 10 picks over the last two drafts. That's the f- tied for the fewest picks in the league. Uh, are they in a position to continue mortgaging the future, borrowing from the future at least, in order to maximize uh, this season? You know, intellectually, in terms of being consistent in their plan, you would think that they would do that. Howie Roseman has said that uh, they want this; that he wants to sort of give the impression that this is a team, an organization that's always going to have their gas on the pedal. That's what he said last year when they traded for Golden Tate. Their foot on the pedal. Their foot on the pedal. I, I do think that um, there is an element of uh, you send a message to the locker room and to the yes. coaching staff if you do make some kind of trade because it shows you believe in them. But I don't know why they keep pinch-hitting Gerardo Parra as the first bat off the bench. I know the baby shark thing is going on, but, like, they've got better bats they can they can go to. Okay? Um, this is a different... This is These are the decisions that Harry Roseman gets paid to make. It's like trading for Daniel Hudson. It's like trading for Daniel Hudson. There you go. Uh, and I think it's difficult. Like... Now, I, you know, I wrote about this in the day after. There, yes, there, I, I was uh, waiting for the tease. You should tease. Well, nah, 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 nah. You know what I mean? Like, tease your day after column. You're the day after. What can people expect to see? Well, they can just expect basically what I was just talking about, in, except in written words. Um, and, and you should also tease, because this is a, a piece that, that still has a lot of value, it probably has even more value now, which is you did a, the trade candidate, uh, piece two weeks ago, and I think that's kind of a good list of names to look at. Yeah, why not? Check that bad boy out. Presumably you're already a subscriber, but this is a free podcast, so in case you do not yet subscribe, you can subscribe for uh, 40% off, I believe, at theathletic.com slash birds with friends. 
and remember to rate, download, uh, subscribe, and uh, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcast. We're doing this, you know, bad boy in the car. Do give us a little, a little favor, you know. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so, the so the trade deadline. Now, listen. I think there are. I think one of the lessons that uh, the Eagles should have learned from Golden Tate last year is that there are certain positions where it is harder to integrate guys midseason. Two years ago, JGI, That's a pretty easy position. Uh, I think slot receiver is a difficult position. I think uh, you know linebacker is a difficult position. Safety is a difficult position. These positions where you have to know everything that's going on. Those are difficult. But the Eagles are in a position where uh, the things that they need are sort of line-up-and-go guys. They could use anybody who can get after the quarterback on the defensive line and or inside. They could use someone who can just run fast on the outside at wide receiver. And maybe they could use a corner, although I, I do think now that the return of Darby and Mills together probably means that the Eagles are not going to make a move at cornerback unless it's for some kind of super stud like a uh, you know like a Xavier Howard or or Darius Slay who it sounds like could be uh, possibly available from Detroit. Yeah, so that's a good summation there. I think defense. I've said all along that I think defensive line is the spot they're going to look. Um, the Malik Jackson injury is so significant, and it's all about Malik, Malik Jackson with you. The guy was benched by the Jaguars last year and is over thirty. They 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 shouldn't have been expecting him to be the difference maker. I actually think he's twenty nine, right? Well, I round up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, then in that case, like a 27-year-old. That's correct. Uh, Carson Wentz. So, isn't Carson 26? 26 is rounding up. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, look, I, I think that what you don't do is you don't trade a valuable pick for a player who's more than likely not going to be in your future plans. Um, the Golden Tate trade last year. Uh, now... The caveat there is there are players who are like 25-year-olds who are in their prime who who could be on the market. Yannick Ngakwe? Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be traded. But but, but but that's an example of a guy. Uh, Leonard Williams, I, I saw he got hurt today, right? Um, I'm not sure what the status is there. Robbie Anderson's a guy you hear about. Um, the Eagles, of course, were trying to trade for him last year. Yeah, so... so you give up a draft pick and you consider it a rental, but if, if it's a player who you could see as part of your core for the next you know two three years, then it's not necessarily a, a rental. It's, it's just a matter of trying to figure out how or if you would resign them. It's almost like like test driving the car, so to speak. Um, I think Golden nice way to bring in the whole experience. Nice nice job. I, I, I think Golden Tate last year was very much a rental. Um, Jay Ajayi like was a Ford Pinto rental, like a <laughs> so. So uh, Dodge Dart. I I like Golden Tate, and, and frankly, I, you like Golden Tate. Well, as as a person, like I, I enjoyed, yeah, I I enjoyed getting. I spoke to his mom, Yolanda. She was very nice. Um, I I spoke to his brother Wesley, also very nice. Like, like I enjoyed writing. Uh, I enjoyed writing a story on Golden Tate last year. I, I enjoyed, okay. I, I enjoyed the chance to talk to him. He's not a good player. I actually do think he's a good player. You don't think Golden Tate's a good player? No, I you do not. You don't think Golden Tate's a good football player? Uh, no, I do not. At this stage of his career, I do not. All right, I, I think Golden Tate's a good football player. Uh, I actually think... I think he's more like Bronze Tate. <laughs> All right. But I actually think the issue last year wasn't the challenge in learning the offense. I think the issue last year was the duplication and how it affected Nelson Aguilar. I don't have an issue acquiring 
a guy at a position, um, you know, like if you think it's hard for them to acclimate, it's just you need to have a plan for how they're going to fit and how does it affect the other guys in the roster. I would look closely at the Golden Tate trade last year as an example of how you 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 can't just take a guy, put him on your depth chart, and say here because there's a ripple effect of how it affects everyone else. So it needs to be a player who you have a clear spot where they can fill in. So if you're talking about, for instance, speed receiver, I'm only trading for a speed receiver right now if you think that, if you're concerned about Deshaun Jackson. I disagree. Okay. I mean... Because, because say, what if Deshaun Jackson comes back in two weeks? There's no guarantee that he's going to still make it through the... I mean, he's still injury prone. Well, that's my point. If you're concerned about Deshaun Jackson... Yeah, but they're also... It's not... It's not uh, you can still line him. Like, maybe you need to spell Alshon Jeffrey a little bit at times. I don't think that that position is one where, uh, like, it, it hurts you to have two guys with duplicative skill sets. Fair enough. I, I, I just think with, with the contracts they have right now, Alshon and Deshaun seem to be like they're going to be here next year. Um, but if... If you're of the opinion, you know, and, and you need to talk to your medical staff, that this Deshaun injury has lingered, um, no matter what they say, it's been he got hurt in week two. We're going into week nine, okay? Yeah. Uh, He's boys with Orlando Skandrick, so we know how he feels about the locker room. <laughs> well, he hasn't practiced yet. So uh, these are all things that you, that you need to look at. If if, if you're concerned that you're going to get the Desha- that you're not going to get the Deshaun that you saw on week one this year then speed receiver is something you're looking at. I'm, I'm similar to you in how I look at cornerback in that I'm not trading for a cornerback right now unless this is like a clear starter going forward. Um, not just, you know, uh, this year but beyond. But I'm, I'm not trading for like a, like a, a Chris Harris and then just plugging because I, I, I think you can get by. You have the cornerbacks you won the Super Bowl with. You have Craven LeBlanc coming back. You think you have some depth. Vontae Maddox spot. coming back soon as well. Yes, exactly. Um, matter of fact, I would think Avante's going to be on the field next week. Um, Do you think he'll play the slot or Sidney Jones? I think Avante will play the slot. Oh. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think if the Eagles here's 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 one prediction: if the Eagles trade for a cornerback, they will be sending a cornerback to that team yeah. as part of the deal. I agree with you there, and I actually think that the Eagles could have some guys going out like. If you're trading a pick, and maybe you get a pick back for Vitae. Maybe you say, you know, Vitae gave you seven games this year. Or, I'm sorry, eight, eight games this year. You didn't want to trade him um, week one or during the preseason because you didn't know how Brandon Brooks was going to look. Okay, You didn't know if Brandon Brooks was going to be back in time. He was your option at guard. Um, but now you're at a point where maybe there's a team that wants a starting tackle for the rest of the season and is willing to give you a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder. I, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, that's something that I think you need to think about with Vitae or, or, or with... So I, I think there could be players going out too. I think the Eagles are going to be aggressive. I don't think they're going to be... I, I think Howie Roseman, um, he, he might think more of the team's chances than you and I, uh, but I don't think he's he's going to... Uh, make the type of splash that hurts them going forward. I do think he knows he he needs draft picks, but I also think he's going to be aggressive. He's he, he's going to make a calculated move. I would if we're setting the over under for point five, I think I would go with the over. On whether he makes a trade or yes. not, yeah, yeah. or number of trades. Yes. 
I think that I probably agree with that. Uh, there is an established pattern of history with Howie Roseman and, and how he approaches this. I mean, this is the this is the literal exact same situation as last year. Four and four, coming off a win against a mediocre team, and the team has played like a mediocre team. And uh, last year he made the decision to go for Tate. Now, now the, the team is older this year, so yeah. that's one little different factor. But I do think that... Uh, I do think Pushkin. I, th- I certainly think that he will try, but I, I don't know if it's my decision. If I look at this team, I am not confident enough that uh, this team can be a contender that I'm willing to uh, to continue robbing from the future. And by the way, the miscalculation last year too was was like what position to trade for because if that last game was the Jags game, that Jags game got them to four and four. Dallas Goddard played well that day. And so you could have, and Jalen Mills left the field with an injury. Now, at the time, I, I don't think they thought Mills was going to be out for the year. But when you looked at, at the team coming out of the Jags game, you would think, all right, they can play more 12 personnel on offense, and that what they need is help in the secondary. So so one of those D-backs who was traded, like Ha-Ha Clinton Dix or someone like ha-ha, that. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Um, that, that would have probably been the, the position to target more so than slot receiver. Um, so I think the aggressiveness last year, uh, I think they went after the wrong spot. And so that's where going after the right spot would be important. If you're going to be aggressive, I would be aggressive on the defensive line. Um, to, to use the line of thinking. Find a Malik Jackson type. Well, those are hard to find. You're not going to find a Malik Jackson You just got to find the guy who was benched somewhere. <laughs> but my, my point is, hold on, I need to get off this exit here. Um, Ooh, live wire. This is, this is live action here. First time we're... Uh, we're leaving the highway. Yes, we're, we're getting on to... Going on to exit 47, Leroy in Rochester. Leroy. Now, there's also the option of staying straight here on the throughway. But we're going to get off. Speak for yourself. Uh, well, yeah, I'm the one driving. Um, hold on. Okay. But, uh, no, so... You're doing a good job with the multitasking. I... I appreciate that. Uh, so I, I would focus on defensive line. To use the logic you were discussing earlier, I think that can be a plug-and-play position. Like, you know, in, especially in this defense, you don't need to learn this. If you trade for a D-tackle, it's not like you're teaching him to scheme. You know, it's just penetrate upfield. Um, so I think that uh, that's the position they would go after. And I think if I would rank it number two, I would think a speed receiver on the outside. Uh, I would actually say cornerback would be number three on my list I would actually I would consider now as I said before this is a much more difficult position to bring somebody in midstream but I I think linebacker is actually something that makes even more sense than cornerback at this point if you're talking about a uh, you know if you're talking about not at the top of the market but sort of a a middle lower market guy yeah that's an interesting one I I would what's going on there we go easy pass but slow to load uh, I would agree with you, actually, there. Well, it wasn't linebacker. such an easy pass that time. No. Uh, linebacker, is an, uh, a linebacker is a position that I would uh, look at there. Um, also, something that I saw discussed on social media was whether they should uh, consider cutting Anderson Deho. Now that Jordan Matthews was cut in San Francisco, uh, if you were to cut Sandejo, you would get the, the fourth-round pick in comp value. Uh, so, yeah, so that 
right now, uh, right now the Eagles, if they do not cut Sendejo, and they have until week 10 to do this, so they only have one more week to do it, if they do not cut him, they will likely get a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick from the comp pick tracker. Uh, if they cut Sendejo, they'll get another fourth or fifth, depending on how that qualifies, uh, how Golden Tate's deal qualifies. If they lost this game, I think they would have cut, or I think, I, I don't know if they would have, but I think they should have cut Sendejo, although that would have also sent a weird message to the locker room, given that he, too, uh, plays a starter's sort of supply of snaps. But now that they're 4-4, four and four, they're, I mean, they're not going to cut him. That's, they're just not going to do it. No, but, but, but what if you trade for a safety who you think can be in your system next year? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a little, uh, little Machiavellian. I like that. <laughs> I'm just... Um, I'm here at, uh, at, 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 at 1019 on, what, 495, or actually not 495, 490, I guess, uh, coming up with different ideas. That's what I'm doing. That's what, that's what we pay you the big bucks for. I don't know if that's, that's what I'm paid for, but uh, I'm trying my best here. All right. What else we got to talk about? Uh, well, I, I answered the question about uh, kind of the way they responded this week. What do you think? Do you think that this is our first podcast? Well, the Orlando Scanter comments came out right before we did Friday's podcast, which was app only. We saw his first. Yes. Uh, we saw his his first series of comments. But then we were in the locker room where Malcolm Jenkins said, "I don't give two beeps, and we don't need mother beepers like that around here." That's right. Um, and Malcolm said that uh, that he's not curious how how the team was was going to respond. He knows how the team's going to respond, and uh, and they responded today. Do you think? I, I I kept saying last week that the problems on the Eagles had nothing to do with what was going on off the field. It was you could see it between the lines. But do you think all the extracurricular stuff last year factored into the way the team came out today? I'm sorry, not last year, last week factored into the way the team came out today. Well, it's not like they came out of house of fire in this game, so I don't really think that it was a, a, a huge factor. But uh, I do think that it 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 sort of was able to change their like rallying position of who they were all angry at because we got all these, all these things during the week about, they were really mad at the media and like uh, blaming the media and all this stuff, which is total nonsense. They got blown out in two straight games. The media had nothing to do with that. And of course, if you get blown out in two straight games, the media is going to be writing that or, or talking about how you were not playing well. Uh, but I think that the Scandrick thing sort of, uh, was able to like get them all on the same page in some way, uh, and it was all. I mean, it was very silly. Like uh, the you know the, the tweet by the Eagles with the video of Scantrick going over to Jenkins was very funny and, a, and I a, thought that was well done. A really good I tweet by them. Yeah. And you know that that was not like you know having been in that building, having been in those like in that department. That was not like oh they found this video, they're going to put it up. That was like. Uh, they they run it by like everybody up the flagpole. Can we post this? So I give them credit for posting it and, and throwing that shot across Scandrick's bow. How high up the flagpole? I don't know this. Yeah, no, I'm asking you. Uh, I, this is a guess, but I would I would be shocked if Howie Roseman was not uh, signing off on that tweet. Is that getting to the owner's box or no? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. Um. I'm just going off of, uh, you know, 
something that I wrote once that like Chip Kelly called over and was like, you can't make fun of Eli Manning on the website. Take that down. Well, Chip read your work? Somebody over from on that side. <laughs> like, just making fun of Eli Manning. Can't, can't, can't let a guy live. You can't. I mean, he was, at that time, he was, what, just coming off the Super Bowl or two years shy of the Super Bowl? Well, he deserves to be made fun of. He's got funny faces. Um... Speaking of which, there's a, a head coach in this game who once uh, emailed me in the middle of the night uh, and was complaining accurately uh, about an inaccuracy in my story in which I said the defense gave up so-and-so points, but one of the touchdowns in the game was scored by a defensive uh, score against the Eagles' offense, and he wanted that amended on the story. And so he was right, but I'm not so sure that that was the kind of thing he should have been worried about. That's an odd thing for Doug Peterson to email you. <laughs> Not Doug Peterson. Um, I thought that was a good response. That was no, good. You, you didn't sell it. Yeah. It was good. I'll sell your joke. <laughs> there you go. Um, where was I? Oh, the Skandrick thing. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the secondary guys all talked glowingly about Malcolm Jenkins after this game. Jalen Mills said, you know... Uh, we vote like the team votes on the captains every year. Like that's that's not like an appointed thing. We vote on them. Skandrick wasn't even here when we did that. Like we 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 all know exactly what kind of leader Malcolm Jenkins is. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are guys in the locker room who don't who don't love Malcolm Jenkins. But yeah, well, look here. So I I've I've been around Malcolm now for six years. You've been around Malcolm for six years. Not six uh, oh. years. I had a couple. I had a two-year hiatus. Don't forget. Okay, but you've known Malcolm for six years. Yes, but uh, not all yeah. that. Not not six continu- contiguous years. Okay, I've known him for six continuous years, yeah. and uh, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of. I've spoken to him for every week during the season for for for, for six years. Um, I've. Uh, I mean, for for full disclosure, I've I've been to his home in Piscataway, New Jersey. Ooh, I, I haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've. Sat, I've sat down with his parents before. I, so, I mean... I, I wrote about him as man of the year, but I haven't gone that far. I, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that as, like, as like Malcolm and I are friends, but I, I think I, I have, like... Well, Malcolm and you are friends. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying that at all. I mean... Buddies? No, not at all. My point is... Acquaintances. Is that, no, my, uh, I was offering that for full disclosure in, in, in that, like, I've been around him for a while. He's a strong personality. Um, I I like strong personalities, and I think that strong personalities are good to have. Uh, he's a competitive guy, uh, but along with being a strong personality, there's probably some people that are rubbed the wrong way. Um, I don't know uh, what the situation was with Orlando Skandrick. You know, there is in in Malcolm's case here. He's 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 in a pretty delicate situation this year. Um, he's been outspoken about the fact that. He wants a new contract. He he held out this off season, um, and there are a lot of selfish. Players. No, well, and no, not selfish. Well, that's I, my Scandrick impression. Oh, oh okay. I, I was like, I'm not accusing him of that, and uh, and I don't even want to say held out. Just just didn't go to the voluntary part of the off season program. But there are guys. In, I mean, there are more guys than Malcolm in that locker room who want new contracts, who feel they deserve new contracts, who were there throughout the offseason program. So um, everyone might have, have different opinions, but I, I think to a man they would say Malcolm Jenkins works hard. I think Malcolm Jenkins is, is, is accountable publicly. I don't know what – I'm not 
you know, I'm not in closed door meetings, so I, I don't know what goes on there. That Scandrick thing about him being selfish is just like he's got. He uses that one example, and it's a play that Malcolm fessed up like to right fessed away. up to right away. And maybe yeah. it's not like. Listen, I've never I've never been on a football field like Orlando Scandrick has, but can it just be like he made the wrong read instead of was being selfish? I don't know. And by the way, Malcolm said the other day. He said on Friday, he's not happy with the way he's playing this year. He said, "I'm not happy with the way team's playing this year." Not happy with the way I'm playing this year. So and he was uh, feisty in this game. He had two personal fouls. Yes, and they were costly. I mean, he he can't do that now. Dead deer on the side of the road. Don't like to see that. No. Well, except for maybe Carson Wentz. <laughs> I I knew you were saying that joke. I knew you were saying that joke. Um, no, so he he can't have two personal fouls. He would tell you that. Um, I think that the I I need to watch the um, the the. Want the uh, roughing the passer? I need to go back and watch that. They announced Brandon Graham on the field, but it was Malcolm Jenkins. The one where it was the uh, late hit—it's um, tough. It's a late slide. Those tough are tough because he was—he was sprinting over. Josh Allen's a mobile quarterback. You treat him like a running back by the letter of the law. That's correct. Josh Allen had given himself up, and I—I I know for a fact that there were—I don't even want to say just Eagles fans. There were Eagles employees who were upset about that call. If the same play happened to Carson Wentz, those Eagles employees will be screaming for a flag. So um, I have no issue with the flag there. I'm just saying that's a tough one to kind of take out of, of your arsenal. I mean, you want them to hustle to the quarterback there. Uh, but I, I, I do think that to get to the point, uh, Mal- I, I don't think Malcolm is, um, is a bad leader. I don't think Malcolm is selfish uh, per se. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if because he has a strong personality, just like anyone else, there are people who like him more than others. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Well, and I, I do think that Skandrick put uh, both Rasul Douglas and Deshaun Jackson in sort of a tough position uh, in sort of name-checking them as guys who he likes, who he's close with, because it, may, it means that you think that maybe they co-sign his opinions. As Juan Soto goes deep, it makes it a 4-1 game. There you go. Good job mixing that in. Am, am I supposed to add? I'm not watching the game. I'm watching the road. I don't know if you had a thought on Rasul and uh, Deshaun. Oh, I, I I don't view it the same way you do. There, I I don't think that because he said he was close with Rasul Douglas, all of a sudden it means Rasul Douglas is endorsing his comments. I I I don't view it that way. And I should say, I enjoyed covering Orlando Skandrick when he was here. Um, I like guys who are available. I like guys who uh, who are honest, and I wish he was a little more honest. <laughs> like I spoke to him after. Yeah, the but game. we don't know what honest is. Yeah. He said two opposite things within like a four day span. That's true. That's true. Uh, but no, I enjoyed covering him when he was here. And look, it, it, he made big plays in that Jets game, so it wasn't all bad. I mean, you could have made a big play in that Jets game. I don't think I would have made the plays he made in the Jets game. I don't think I, I would be as effective as a nickel blitzer as Orlando Scantrick. Maybe not as effective, but maybe still effective. I don't think I get a sack or force fumble in that game. Speak for yourself. I believe in you. I am speaking for myself. I think you could have done it. (laughs) I don't believe so. We have eight minutes. Eight Eight minutes left in the drive? Eight minutes left in the drive. I guess we got to make it the whole way, don't we? Well, this has actually made the drive go uh, faster. Although I I, would have liked talking to you uh, and kind of catching up on your weekend, but... uh, 
no, this is this is actually this has been a good way to 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 do a long drive. It's, 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 How about that touchdown run by Boston Scott? Bosco, better uh, running back than he is a punt returner. Yes, I'd say. Yeah. Should he have fair caught that, or should he have let that go? What should he have done? I think he did the right thing. He just shouldn't have fumbled it. Shouldn't have fumbled it. Although it was a helmet to helmet hit, so he's yes. uh, he's he's off the hook. As was pointed out by an Eagles employee. Uh, I uh, I thought it was interesting that the Bills, first time in this stadium, interesting stadium, I think he got the full Buffalo experience, interesting that they still have O.J. Simpson up on the wall. Yeah, you pointed that out. I mean, he, he was... I saw a guy in an O.J. Simpson jersey, too. <laughs> That's a little aggressive. I mean, you, you can't just, like, eliminate him from history. Uh, he is a part of Bill's history, so, you know... I, what do you think happens when the Bills play the Falcons and they and they go up against Edo Smith, named after Lance Edo? <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's a good one. I don't know the answer to that. Or when they play against the Bucks and OJ Howard, uh, is he named after OJ? Is he called Mini Juice? I don't. I don't know about that. He's actually hurt, so he can play today. Is there any? Don't worry, we're not dead. Zach delivered us safely to Rochester. But as we were a few minutes away, my computer died. Short shelf life, disappointing. And that takes away the power to the thing we record the podcast onto. So now this is just me alone in my room wrapping up the episode and letting you know that our Wing of Honor recipient, our inductee, into the Birds with Friends Wing of Honor. Naya Kapadia, shout out for your first soccer goal. All reports are that it was a, a golazzo, a, a wonder goal, a strike from distance that, uh, that trickled past the keep. So uh, congratulations and welcome, welcome to the Wing of Honor. I will say that Zach did a good job on this drive, multitasking. He delivered us safely. He kept his promise. And uh, for that, I am grateful. A little bit of herky-jerkiness here and there, but, but he, did, he did a good job. So that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. The Eagles save their season, go 4-4 four and four with a 31-13 win over the Bills in the wind. And now we wait to find out what kind of moves, if any, Howie Roseman has planned for this Eagles team. And, of course, we will have you covered on anything that happens on theathletic.com slash Philly and on Birds with Friends. You know we love nothing more than a emergency and emergency pod following a trade. So there you have it. Thanks to uh, everybody for listening. Thanks to Zach for delivering us safely. And for Zach and Sheil, I'm Bo. And as always, we love you.